0: I have so enjoyed the song service this morning and the prayers that have been offered up and I appreciate our church family and your prayers and thoughts toward us in our, in our recovery from knee surgery and uh, I just rejoice in the, the goodness and mercy of our great God. And this morning I'd like you to open your Bible with us to the second chapter of the book of Song of Solomon the book that is found, the short writing that is found right before the book of Isaiah. So if you'll turn with me there to begin with, I'd like to talk a little while with you this morning on the five spiritual senses of faith. The five spiritual senses of faith. Now, each of us recognize that we have natural senses, that coincide or correspond to the elements of the spiritual senses of faith. We have taste and smell and sight and hearing and touch. And I want to begin in the songs of Solomon because in this song, we remember that that Solomon wrote songs. In fact, he wrote a thousand and five songs that we're very well acquainted with in Israel in his day and for many years afterward. But in the divine wisdom of God, we have preserved one of those songs. And it's called the Song of Solomon. And it's a beautiful psalm of love. It's a love story. And most commentators, John Gill, Matthew Henry, and others would admit that this would be related to the first wife that he married uh, and his relationship with her. And be that as it may, it, it, it speaks in terms that affect natural senses. These five natural senses are all found in the Song of Solomon. But I want to relate them to the spiritual senses that we have by God-given faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I I want you to notice with me in Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under the shadow his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Now we acknowledge that this is a, a, a natural scene of affection between Solomon and his wife. But there is a context in which it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. We see that there is affection that is bestowed from uh Christ as the rose of Sharon and his bride. And under his shadow there is great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste or to my palate. I'm mindful of what David said in Psalm chapter thirty four, verse eight. He said, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In Psalm one nineteen, verse one hundred three David says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste! Yea, sweeter than honey in my mouth. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, Peter uses that same illustration. He says, If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord, He is gracious. See, there is a spiritual element to the fact of taste. And it relates to faith. All of these senses relate to the God given faith of His elect. We know that faith is first and primary a gift from God. The reason any one of us can experience the Lord Jesus Christ in a saving way is by virtue of that gift of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the The gift of God. So we acknowledge this gift, this gift of being able to taste the goodness of the Lord, to taste the Lord Jesus Christ and how sweet he is to our palate today. Now I want to go from here to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, because Jesus, in this great discourse on the bread of life, explains how that taste comes about in the life of his children. Jesus, after he fed the 5,000 men, and after this miraculous feeding, people were coming to him, but they were not coming to him in faith. They were coming to him to get another free dinner. They were coming to him because he was able to do something for them physically that no one else had been able to do. But Jesus is taking the physical element of that miracle and applying it to the spiritual understanding of faith. He says in verse 35, he says, uh, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He is talking about tasting Christ In a saving way. It relates to verse 29. Remember when they asked how they might work the works of God? Jesus said to them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So that expression of faith, that belief, is explained in the coming to Christ, in tasting the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He expands on that principle. In verse 36, he says, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Now watch this verse. All that the Father giveth me. Now that's the elect. That's a group of people out of all the nations, kindred tongues, and nations of the world that were chosen in Christ before time ever began. All, without exception... That the Father giveth unto me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You may be here this morning seeking to taste the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're sitting there and you're saying, uh, Preacher, if you only knew how big a sinner I am. If you only knew how many mistakes I've made in my life. If you only knew how uh, I've blown it so many times. There's no way that somebody like me could ever come to somebody like Jesus. Listen, all those that come to Him, He will in no wise cast out. But who are they that come to Him? Who are they that are able to taste of the Lord Jesus Christ. He expands. He says in verse 38, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will that has sent me, that all that He hath given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up again and the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone, listen, but everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's a powerful doctrinal statement. Because not only is he defining uh, the elements of unconditional election, he's also expanding that to the effectual calling that takes place in the life of every heir of promise. Every child of God is going to experience the new birth. And as a result of the new birth, they're going to be given faith. And with that faith, they are able to taste and see that the Lord... He is good. Amen? You see that? How He weaves into the physical understanding of our human condition a spiritual element of faith. A spiritual element that relates to salvation. Listen to verse 44. No man can come to me except my Father which sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. I love these verses because they define how that uh, gracious gift of faith operates. The gracious gift of faith, brothers and sisters, has as its object the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing to me. It's it's a a miracle, isn't it? it? It's something that fascinates our minds and thrills our souls this morning. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance, that which stands under our hope, that which stands under our confidence this morning. That at the end of this age we'll be in a land where there is no more sin and no more sorrow and no more separation. We rejoice in that fact By the God-given faith that He's extended to us. Is it important? Is that faith important to us? Oh, listen to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Who are they that diligently seek Him? Who are they that want to taste the goodness of the Lord? I submit to you, it is those of God's family who have been born of the Spirit. They're seeking Him. They're longing for Him. They're hungering after Him. Not only is that uh, element of taste found in the Scripture, but also of smell. In Psalm chapter 45, verse 8, David writes, All thy garments smell of myrrh, aloes, and cassia. Now these are elements that are found in the anointing oil of the high priest. These are the the sweet herbs, the sweet uh, uh, materials that were mixed in with olive oil in which they anointed the heads of the priests. And he says unto the Lord, He's magnifying His priesthood. He's magnifying his representation between Him and a holy God. He's magnifying Him. He says it's, it smells sweet. Uh, it, it's sweet uh, in its essence. I believe Paul captured that in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. When he said, As Christ hath loved us and hath given unto uh, given Himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor Jesus Christ is the sweet-smelling savour of salvation. It's something that delights the hearts and minds of God's people in every age. Oh, I want you to see Christ this morning as our great high priest who intercedes on our behalf, who, who takes up our part in the courtroom of heaven, who stands between... Uh, a sinful man, and a holy God. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Oh, can you taste that this morning? Can you smell that sweet savour of His priesthood in your life? Oh, I, I pray that that's your experience today. Not only do we see taste and smell, but we also refer to sight, spiritual sight. You know, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, Isaiah writes the words of God to his people. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. It is that look of faith upon God that brings salvation to the heart of a sinner. I was thinking about this this morning in Jonah chapter 2, verse 4. Jonah, in the belly of the well, said, I will look again. Toward thy holy temple. Why would he say that? How could he say that? It was because of faith. He was able to look in faith on the provisions of a holy God. How are you this morning? What are you looking for? For salvation. What are you looking for to help you through this uh, uh, sinful world? Who are you looking to? In John chapter 3, I want you to go back to that favored text. In John chapter 3, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about the new birth and its effects, He says something in verse 14 that I want you to notice. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, this part of Christ's message to Nicodemus refers to a time in Numbers chapter 21 when Moses was commanded by God to make a brazen serpent and hang it on a pole. And there there was rebellion in the camp of Israel to the extent that God sent fiery serpents among them, and whoever that serpent bit died. But when the, when the brazen serpent was put upon the pole and set in the midst of the children of Israel, the camp, God said, Whosoever looks upon this serpent will be saved. So Jesus is connecting what happened in ancient Israel... To the time when He Himself would hang upon a cross. And that whoever would look to the cross for redemption. Look to the cross for acceptance. Look to the cross for access to a holy God. Would be saved. Even as Moses in a similar way. Even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that... So that whosoever believes in him, whosoever tastes him, (laughs) whosoever smells him, whosoever sees him as their only hope and only salvation, they, brothers and sisters, would experience salvation. It's interesting to me how often this uh, spiritual sense of faith is used throughout the Bible. Some of our favorite verses come to mind, don't they? In Titus chapter 2 verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus the author and what? And finisher, completer, the author and finisher of our faith. you see these are verses that are special to us as we by faith are able to look upon them in second Peter chapter three verses 10 through twelve, Peter writes that we're looking for God at the end of this age to create a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness that look brothers and sisters is not a passive glance but the Greek term that is used for the word look in that context is to look with apprehension to look with interest to look steadfastly to it is a very sincere look and I'm asking you this morning have you looked have you looked at the lamb have you looked At the cross? Have you looked at the promises that He's made to you that one day the new heavens and the new earth will be a reality? Not only do we see taste and smell and sight as key components or elements of saving faith, we also know the Bible teaches us about the hearing of faith. Turn your Bible with me to Romans chapter 10. The hearing of faith. There were a lot of people that heard the words of Jesus. There were a lot of people that heard His teaching. When He was in His personal ministry upon the earth. But have you ever wondered. Why everyone didn't believe. Have you ever wondered that. Have you ever wondered. How could they ignore His miraculous power. This one that. That. Would raise the dead. This one that would heal the leper. This one that would restore sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and 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 cleansing to the leper. How could they ignore that kind of divine power? Well, brothers and sisters, it is because they were not effectually drawn by faith to see it, to experience it, to. To hear not only the audible words, but as many of you mentioned in your prayers this morning, that our hearts would be open to hear with our heart. To hear inside our soul. Just as God taught Israel long, long ago, the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God. Is one I, I had the opportunity to uh, witness to a, a Jewish brother not too long ago and he had the little uh, container on his door that had uh, 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 that had that verse inside it and before he went into his house he would he would kiss his hand and then kiss the the what I forgot what it's called but it, uh, it's a little container that they put on the door. And it's a part or portion of the law that they show respect to before they enter into their house. And he, and, and I asked him what verse he had there. And he said, it's the Shema. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And so I kissed my hand and I touched it. And he, it, he freaked out. He freaked out. I said, well, I believe that he is the Lord. And I believe he is one. And I believe that He has a people, not only physical Israel, but spiritual Israel. And I'm glad to tell you, friend, I'm a member of that family. I'm a member of the family of God. And we had an interesting conversation about that. You know, I I listened with interest this morning as the brother was speaking to us about living out our faith. It's not just knowing the things that are true, but living them out in our daily decisions, in our daily walk, in our daily witness, in our community. I think that's so important. It reminded me of a story story that Brother Kevin likes to tell about a little boy that had a dog. And he was so proud of that dog, but the dog was a was a Heinz 99 I mean there wasn't anything pure about this dog I mean he had the head of a bulldog he had the tail of a uh uh, uh, of a manganese he had uh, the feet uh, of a German shepherd I mean he was a sight and he was had him on a leash and he's walking him down the street and he met one of his friends and his friend looked at that dog and said my goodness where did you get that ugly dog and that little boy being proud of his puppy, he says, listen, I want you to know that this, this dog is a special dog. He says, well, what I'm looking at doesn't look too special to me. And he said, "He, uh, he's in the secret service. He's, He's a special dog in the secret service. Well, you know what? We don't need secret service Christians, do we? You know, God has called all of us by His sovereign grace and given us elements of faith that we need to exercise if it's going to grow. And some of us look like that Heinz 99. We're we're kind of oddball people. But, you know, we are in the service of the great King and the great Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to remember our identity, isn't it? We need to remember who we are by God's grace. But I, I want to notice something here, if you don't mind, in Romans chapter 10. And brothers and sisters, these verses might have been downplayed by some. But we do that to our own harm. Primitive Baptists cannot ever downplay God's The significance and necessity of saving faith. Listen to what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 10, uh, let's back up to verse 8. But what saith it? What, What says the Scripture? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. Here it is that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, what? Thou shalt be saved. Now, brothers and sisters, does the Word of God say that we are saved through faith? That we are saved through the instrumentality or the means of faith that God's grace has given us? It does. And we have to come to grips with that. And I'm going to ask you a pointed question. A very personal question. Have you this morning confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you confessed Him as Lord and Savior? Now that's something only you can answer. But it's crucial that you answer that question. And He says this. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What kind of heart is he describing? He's describing a heart that's been born again. A heart that's been changed. Have you been changed? It's important for us to capture this uh, meaning and purpose of the gospel message. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not, uh, shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that, what? Call, call upon him. Call upon him how? In faith. Call upon him in faith. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ah, have you confessed Him this morning? Have you tasted that He is good? Have you smelled the garments of His priestly robe? Have you this morning seen Him as the only hope of a fallen sinner? Then confess Him as Lord. Ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him to take your life and use it for His glory. He says, In verse 14, How then shall they call upon Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach or proclaim the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, brothers and sisters, it's not the preacher that gives you the new heart. It's not the preacher that gives the regeneration. But brothers and sisters, God uses the preaching of the Word to speak to the hearts of those that have been born again by the Holy Spirit. And that, the result of that calling, the result of that proclamation, is found in the next verse. I'm getting ahead of myself. But they, uh, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, as Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Brothers and sisters, I believe that faith is brought forth. Faith is manifested. When God has given someone faith under the sound of the preaching of the gospel, that faith reaches out and lays hold upon it, receives it acknowledges it uh, as true and then acts upon it acting in obedience to the call of the gospel this is what the hearing element of spiritual faith is all about i believe that it's important for us to remember that i want you to go back to john chapter 5 verse 25 john chapter 5 verse 25 Listen to what Jesus Himself said in John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall, what? Live. He's the one that speaks life to the soul of man. And an evidence of that, a fruit of that life that He has given to that elect child of grace, is that when He hears the word of truth, He embraces it. He has the ability to believe it, to lay hold upon it, to confess that it is true. This is the hearing element of faith. Who is it that does that? Who is it that actually hears. Go to John chapter 10, please. In John chapter 10, notice verse 27, 28. Who is it, brothers and sisters, that hears? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they what follow me that's the simple message of Jesus Christ he says it just like it is who are the ones that have the faith its sheep who are the sheep those chosen in Christ before time began who are the sheep those for whom Jesus Christ came to lay down his life listen to this carefully in verse 14, uh, John chapter 10 verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. This idea, and I'm, I, I hope please receive this in the spirit that I want to give it. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that when somebody says that the multitude or the majority of God's people will never know Jesus Christ, that's blasphemy. That's contrary to the word of God. All of God's sheep are going to know him. Because all of God's sheep are known of him. All of God's sheep, listen, are going to hear his voice. They're going to know him and follow after him. I don't believe that they all follow to the same extent or to the same degree. I'm not saying that. I don't I, I don't believe that everybody has the same degree of knowledge of the word. But brothers and sisters, I do believe this, that nothing is going to hinder the effectual call of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's sheep, and they are going to come to that saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's assured. Listen to Him as He says that in the next verse. And I give unto them, uh, verse 28, And I give unto them uh, eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all. When did He give the sheep to the Son, the shepherd? Brothers and sisters, before time ever began. Do you realize, as an heir of promise, do you realize this? That God has never loved you more than He does today? You know why? Because He set His love upon you before you were even born. Before you made your first mistake, before you committed your first sin, even while you were yet enemies, God set His love upon you through free and sovereign grace. And in the capacity of that love, He gives to us the ability to accept Him, the ability to follow Him, the ability to uh, acknowledge Him and, and serve Him as Lord and Master. He says, My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. You see, brothers and sisters, the oneness that we desire in the church, the oneness that we desire in the community of believers, the oneness that we desire among one another, is a reflection of the oneness that the Son has with the Father. Even as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are perfectly unified. That unity in the community of the Trinity is a reality of Scripture. And in that essence, He gives His children that same capacity. Let them be one, Jesus said in John 17. Let them be one, Father, even as we are one. There's where the oneness is. The unity of believers. I believe in the hearing of, of faith. I believe that it is experienced by all of God's children. The fifth thing that I want to notice in the uh, study of these five senses is the touch. Every time I think about this, I think about M- Matthew chapter 9 verse 21, when this little woman, you can just imagine, you can just imagine, this little woman who had an issue of blood for 12 long years, A flow of blood that wouldn't stop. A flow of blood that excluded her from the synagogue. A flow of blood that would prevent her from offering a sacrifice at the temple. Separated from her family and her community. Someone that was declared by the priest as being unclean. For 12 long years, she struggled in that kind of isolation. And yet... When Jesus passed by, there was something in her heart that said, If I can just touch the hem of His garment. Oh, I don't want to touch His hand. I'm not worthy to touch His feet. I'm not worthy to fall into His arms. But oh, just let me sneak up behind Him and touch the
1: hem of His precious garment. I know I'll be made whole. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's faith that's faith when she did that everything stopped
0: time stood still here jesus was in that throng of, of people he stopped and said who touched me who touched me peter says in his wisdom you know he's the he's the most like uh, old baptist of any of the apostles why in the world would you say that? Look at all these people around you. Jesus, where everybody's shoving and, uh, and moving around. And, you, and you're saying, who touched you? Isn't that a ridiculous question? But you see, somebody touched him in a different way. Oh, friends, have you touched his garment this morning? Have you touched him with your need? Oh, I know you're unworthy, just like she was, but I'm telling you, time will stand still. Who touched me? And she says, Oh, it was me. And Jesus said, Be of good cheer, daughter.
1: Those long years of isolation Suffering are now over. You've been made whole. Have you touched him? Children. Have you touched him? By faith. Oh, listen. As Pastor Nathan said this morning. He'll never let you down. You'll let him down, but he'll never let you down. He'll be with you in the thick and the thin. He'll always choose the hardest part of the hill and the hottest part of the battle. How do you know that, Brother Dwight? How do you know? By faith. By faith, brothers and sisters. We've tasted and we've smelled and we've seen. We've heard. Praise God, we've been able to touch. He's real. Jesus is not a fable friend. Jesus is not just a story that's told. He's alive. He's here. And he's passing through his vineyard this morning looking for fruit Have you brought him some fruit this morning? Your praise? Bring him your burden. He'll help you with it. I don't know what your burden is this morning, but he does. And he cares for you. Unworthy sinner. He cares for you. I want to go to one more passage in the book of Hebrews this morning. This is so meaningful to each of us as we've lived through many trials, as we've seen many sorrows. We know that He's faithful in
0: all that we pass through. Listen to this command. I'm speaking to you from the heart this morning. To use the spiritual senses that He's giving you. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that has promised. Oh, do you have assurance this morning? Are you assured that you belong to Him this morning? That's my question. Have you tasted His goodness? Have you smelled His sweet garments? Have you seen His power? Have you heard the good news? Have you touched the hem of His garment? I believe that the assurance of faith is the spiritual birthright of every believer. When we talk about assurance, we're talking about a pledge or a guarantee, a state of being certain, full of confidence. Are you confident that you belong to Him this morning? Did you know that right now, in the very recesses of your own heart, you can make that sure right now. You can ask Him to give you that assurance. You can. Before you even leave the house of God this morning, you can, you can be assured that you're a child of the King. You, you, you can rejoice in it. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. True assurance rests upon the unchanging will and unassailable promises of God toward His people Oh, trust in Him this morning. Trust in Him by faith. That's what Paul meant in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 when he said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have access into this grace wherein we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, friends, can you rejoice with me this morning in the hope of the glory that is yet to come? I want you to use, exercise your spiritual senses of faith so that you can be assured, so that you can have peace in the midst of a a troubled world. You can know the quietitude, of fellowship with God, even in the valley of trial and tribulation. Oh, may this be your lot this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith that transcends our own weaknesses, our own doubts, our own fears. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just beg that those that are here gathered today might reach out with a hand of faith and touch your heavenly garment and be made whole. Lord, we lift up before you each one of these families that you would preserve and protect them because Satan wants to destroy them. Lord, I... I ask that you would be with Brother Andy in his important work at the Christian school, that he would be a used instrument in the impacting of many young lives for your glory. We know that the devil wants to destroy that school and destroy him. But Lord, we pray your protection about him. We lift up before you, Sister Bonnell's family, that they, by faith, would be able to see That she has been relieved of her sorrow and her suffering. And now, today, is in the arms of the Heavenly King. Oh Lord, we rejoice in, in the knowledge that one day we'll see her again. And it won't be in the frail and broken body that she left here with. But in the glorified body that will be enjoyed by all of your elect family throughout all eternity. And Lord, I ask that you would speak peace to the troubled waters of every heart, that you would allow us to exercise these senses of true saving faith for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.